Really glad to have you this morning, and especially thank you to those of you who are visiting Gateway for the first time. Welcome. We're really honored to have you. Let's do one more song. Special instructions on this song. This is a beautiful melody. So choir, tune up your beauty voices, and we'll sing a couple of verses, and then we're going to sing the chorus. I want you to remain seated. And when we sing the chorus, the chorus is awesome. The chorus says, the time is now. So remember that. The time is now. Because that's going to come in again at the end of our conversation with one another. The time is now. Come church arise. And when we say that, I want you to stand. So we'll sit for the first two verses. But when we say, the time is now. Come church arise. I want you to stand. And we'll sing that chorus a couple of times through. So let's try this choir. It's beautiful. So let's just follow Rebecca. Everyone singing. Some people whose lives aren't comfortable, but ours are exceedingly so. So we need to sing this morning, choir, out of our comfort, because today we're beginning a series of conversations about reaching out. So let's do this verse again in the second verse, and we're going to stand on the chorus. Brothers. Brothers, let us come together, walking in spirit there's much to be The time is now. 
help us as a church to arise because the time is now. Speak to us this morning. Your servants are listening. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Dominic, come on up. Uh, Grab one of those microphones. Thank you, ma'am. if you know it. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Would you be my neighbor? Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? And so we're neighbors again today. I'm glad to be with you. Okay, so I wonder if he's ever missed that shoe when he throws it from one hand to the other. Rhonda asked me this morning on the way in, so Ed, where's your cardigan? We're going to do that one Sunday. We're going to begin a series of conversations today on the art of neighboring. And we're going to have a specific challenge, a specific assignment, really for the whole month. We'll get to that. We're going to begin with a very, very small, specific part of that specific assignment today for each of us. And we're going to kick it off. I really hope you'll be here for all of these conversations because they're going to build on one another. We're going to kick it off today with the big picture context for our really specific conversation. So as a part of that big picture context, I've asked Dominique if she would read the two passages for us this morning. The first one will kind of set us up for the first part of that big picture conversation. And then the second one will just be one verse where we're diving in deep to the conversation about moving our lives out. I'll explain more in a few minutes. But Dominique is going to read Luke chapter 9 for us. Again, this is a will be a part of that big picture conversation. And then she's also going to read one verse from a one-chapter letter in the New Testament called Philemon, Philemon chapter 6. So this will be Luke 9 and then Philemon chapter 6. And if you would, let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's Word, and let's stand as Dominic reads for us. Dominic? Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to be talking this morning about moving our lives out. 
but let's start with the big picture and then we'll zero in. Big picture, there are four key relationships that we must be healthfully engaged with. If we want to be the people that God is calling us to be and shaping us to be, if we want to be the people really we long to be, there are four key relationships that we have to think about. The first relationship is our relationship with ourselves. This is the earliest relationship, and in that sense, it's the primary relationship, and it's critical for us to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. That's why we talk about exercise and, and right diet and sleeping and right thinking patterns, sometimes therapy. That's important for us. But even if this is a moderately unhealthy relationship, let's admit we spend an enormous amount of time on it. We protect ourselves. We care for and feed ourselves. We justify ourselves. We defend and promote ourselves. We may not do these things in the right way or to the right degree, but we are very interested in and intimately involved with ourselves, all of us. This is why it's so interesting and frankly surprising that Jesus instructs us plainly that if we are to grow spiritually and emotionally, our relationship with ourselves must decrease in importance. If you want to be my student, you've got to deny yourself and take up the instrument of your own death daily and follow me. In fact, he suggests that our preoccupation with ourselves, our habit of placing ourselves always foremost in our own thinking and our habits must come to an end or we will truly ultimately lose ourselves. Ironically, according to the paragraph that Dominique read for us, Jesus is bearing on words. Ironically, the way to really gain ourselves is to willfully lose ourselves. That's why we usually say around here at Gateway, we have three key relationships because the next three relationships are really the key for us to our emotional and spiritual health. So, our three key relationships. Relationship number one, we have to find a way to nurture a relationship with God. This is the cornerstone to our emotional and spiritual health. Everything about our life and our future depends on this relationship being healthy. Remember, Jesus was asked at one point, what's the greatest commandment of all? In other words, what is the most important principle by which we should live, Jesus? And he answered that question. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all that you are, your thinking, your emotions, your willpower, love the Lord. That's the key principle in leading a healthy life. The reason we rehearse this truth together on Sunday mornings, the reason we, God is great, sing his praise, the reason we sing those songs, the reason we pray the prayers that we pray, the reason we have these conversations and the reason we gather weekly to encourage one another in small groups is because this is not easy, but it's vitally important. And since nurturing this relationship is not easy, we need all the encouragement we can get. It's not easy, but it's worth it. You may have heard the analogy before. I've used it before. Think of physical exercise. If I wake up early one morning and I want to go for a run, I promise you, almost never am I waking up, putting on my shorts, don't Keep that image in your brain. Stretching, breathing, and then starting out, I'm never going, oh, this is awesome. I just can't wait for the next 30 minutes. This is going to be fantastic. And yet, I am never, never sorry that I went. And over time, it benefits me greatly. It's not easy, but it's critical. Some of you know, several years ago, this 
congregation gave me the privilege of going on a sabbatical. So I literally took a break from being here and being at Gateway. And I knew that it would be difficult for me to really get away unless I really got away. So I have a friend who has a lake house. And I have another friend who has a home in Florida. And then I contacted this place that has cabins in North Carolina. And I took seven weeks and split the time up between those three places. And one other person who was a professional spiritual director and personal counselor and coach and He's in North Carolina, and he has a place at a, a lake. And I went to spend a weekend with him and a couple of days at his lake house. And along the way, you know, I was determined to spend those seven weeks just digging into God. So I was going to flat out go for it because I know this relationship is critically important for my health. And it's also not easy. So here's what I decided to do. I didn't even have a smartphone at the time. So that was no problem. But I didn't take any books and I didn't take anything that would remind me of anything, but I, I wanted to focus on sleeping and eating and physical exercise and spiritual exercise. So I have my Bible and a journal, and I'm going to be Moses in seven weeks. So I'm going to spend my whole day, literally my whole day, either exercising physically or exercising spiritually, going for it with God. They're not going to recognize me. So I go away for that first few days, and I go to the lake here in Virginia. And I wake up that first morning, and I am ready. And I go for a run. feels awesome. Come back, I eat a great breakfast. Time to do some serious spiritual work because this relationship is vitally important. So I sit down, plate glass window, looks out over the lake. Awesome. I'm going to be holy. And I decide I'm going to pray. So, I mean, I go for it. And I really did. I went for it. I prayed for all of you. I mean that literally. Some of you I knew. Some of you I didn't know yet. But I was praying for this place. It didn't exist yet. But I was praying for this place. I was praying for you who were going to be connected to us. And I'm loving it. I'm laboring over it. I'm going for it because I know that this relationship is vitally important. But I also know deep down inside it's hard. So I'm going to do the hard work because I'm Moses. And I pray for Diane, I pray for the boys, I pray for our neighborhood, I pray for all of you, I pray for my extended family, going for it with God. Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if Jesus has returned yet. I wake up, I look at the clock, and it's been 20 minutes. And I've got seven weeks to go. This is hard, but it's vitally important. You cannot be who God has designed you to be if you don't nurture this relationship. And to nurture this relationship... You have got to dig into God's story and what Jesus did. You've got to dig into yourself and you've got to pray. Others of you, there are other things that help you. For some of you, music helps you. Lisa talked about worship. For some of you, you like to journal. For others of you, you want to memorize things. You've got to dig into this relationship. Second key relationship for all of us. The second key relationship is our relationship with others who have a relationship with God. We have to nurture our relationship with others who have a relationship with God. Following Christ is not a solo project. Look, doing life is not a solo project. So trying to do it healthily by nurturing a relationship with God is definitely not a solo project. This is what we call community here at Gateway. And we talk about it so much because it's so important and it's difficult. Look, 
It's not casual when Alex stands up here and says, hey, past Christ, peace, and what we try to make it look casual, but it's not, I promise you. We think through this. We pray through this. Hey, I want you to pass Christ's peace to one another. And while you do so, look at somebody and tell them what neighborhood you grew up in. Because we're trying to make it difficult on ourselves not to connect with one another. This is not a solo project. We have to dive in with one another. And it's on each of us. Don't sit there this morning and say, I just can't figure out how to connect. That's on you and on us. It's difficult for us because there are things in our culture that work against us connecting with one another. Some of you know that my wife had knee replacement surgery this week. So one of her knees is just falling apart. And she's, bless her heart, she's walking like this now on a walker. So she's not at church this morning, so I can talk bad about her and none of you will tell her. I never would. She's awesome. She's been awesome through this. But what she's been there all day. She's basically spending all day on the couch. So she's watching a lot of television. So we were watching a movie the other night. Maybe some of you have seen this movie. What's his name? Christian Bales. It's a Western. It's called Hostels. The movie begins with this quote. It just kind of sets up the atmosphere for the movie. It's a quote from D.H. Lawrence, the poet. He says this, The essential American soul is hard, stoic, isolate, and a killer. It has never melted. We breed self-determinism and isolation. We don't breed community in America, but we need it desperately. This is why we talk about it so much at Gateway, because we need it so desperately and because there are things in our culture which work against it. You know, the New Testament is pregnant with one another clauses. Look up the words one another sometime in the Bible. Teach one another, exhort one another, love one another, encourage one another, love one another, teach one another, build one another up, care for one another, love one another, teach one another, etc., etc. And you can't do any of those alone. We will have to nurture relationships with others who have a relationship with God. We cannot grow helpfully without this. Okay, our third and final key relationship is we have to build a relationship with those who do not personally know God. We have to get beyond ourselves and beyond our own need. We have to get out of our comfort. And we have to build a connection selfishly. We have to build a connection with those who do not personally know God because we have something to offer them. And God intends for us to do so. Usually at Gateway, we talk about this in a different way. We talk about the need to grow up in and out. This is the language we use regularly here. So if you're here for any length of time, you will hear this. Look at this. If we want to be emotionally and spiritually alive and healthy, we must be growing up toward God in glad-hearted worship and toward God's people and community and out toward the world in service and evangelism. So Matthew 22 again. Remember, what's the key principle in knowing how to do our life? Okay, well, first of all, love the Lord your God all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. And that's the greatest. The second one's like it. So there's something else to add here. I'm going to add another key relationship, Jesus says, another key principle. He says this. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Basically, everything that God has said up to this point can be summarized in that. In this explanation, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't draw a distinction between those who know God and those who don't. He just says neighbor. 
When he uses the word neighbor here, he's referring to people who are in need. He's not distinguishing between those who have a relationship with him and those who do not. It reminds me, years ago, before we lived in Northern Virginia, I pastored a church in an urban neighborhood, an inner city neighborhood in Boston. It was a poor neighborhood with, the population of the neighborhood was working poor and, and desperately poor. And when we first moved there, I didn't grow up in a neighborhood like that. Some of you who know my history, you know that I spent my childhood in a, a town in eastern South Carolina. So if any of you have been to Myrtle Beach, if you turn off of I-95 and get lost and drive through one of those towns and think, good Lord, who would live here? That's where I grew up. So uh, in my neighborhood growing up, my nearest neighbor was about a quarter of a mile away. My second nearest neighbor was about three quarters of a mile away. My third nearest neighbor, I don't even know, a ways. This was tobacco country. So we didn't even have neighborhoods in the sense that we have them here in Northern Virginia. And yet there was a much closer sense of neighbor there than there was here. So I moved to the inner city and these people are on top of one another. So I remember having a prayer walk one time early in our years in Boston. I was trying to figure out how we do ministry here and distinctly remember there's a 16-year-old girl who's got a baby carriage. And I just think, how do we reach these people? Here's the baby care. She, the baby's, ah, she's not paying any attention. She's over here flirting with a guy probably 14 months away from her second kid. And I'm wandering through this neighborhood thinking, what do we do, Lord? What do we do? And it's one of those rare times in my life, and for me, these are rare, when God spoke to me. And he said, how do we reach these people, Jesus? And he said, just tell them about me. If they don't know me, tell them. And if they do know me, tell them more. This is what Jesus means. This is how he understands neighbor. We'll have more to say about that in the coming weeks. But typically, when we talk about this here at Gateway, we do separate out these categories. We make a category. We say it's a key relationship to be nurturing a relationship with others who have a relationship with God. And it's a key relationship to be nurturing a relationship with those who do not. We do not tease out those two to set up artificial barriers. We do not separate those two categories to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or feel better than others. We do not create these two categories to assist us in our effort to judge the people around us. This is exactly the opposite of what Jesus commends for us. We make these distinctions between these groups for two reasons. One, because sometimes Scripture makes that distinction, and we'll talk about some of those places over the next month. And because it's helpful for us to make this distinction, to think, to focus our attention. So that brings us to Philemon 6, the verse that Dominic read for us from Philemon. So here's the don't miss this principle. Look, this is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon, and he had a servant named Onesimus. And this slave, really, had been with the Apostle Paul for a while and had developed a great relationship with Paul, had cared for Paul, had nurtured Paul, and they'd become very close friends and brothers. So Paul is writing to Philemon saying, you've got to accept him back as a friend, as a brother, and really as a free man. And in that context, he offers this truth. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. It is as if who we are in Christ and the work that God is doing in us cannot be fully known unless we share it. 
He paused for dramatic effect. I'm going to find about four different ways to say that to make sure we get it. Others who do not know Christ cannot know him unless we share him. And we cannot even fully know ourselves, all that he's doing in us and all that we have because of his work in us, unless we share him. Let's beat a dead horse and say it again. The truth about all that we are and all that we share in Christ cannot be known unless we share it. We cannot know it, nor will others know it. Our faith is one of those rare things. We get more of it, the more of it we give away. So we're going to spend the next month talking about moving our lives out toward our neighbors. We're going to define our neighbors as the people who live around us, the people who work around us, and the people who leisure around us. We're going to be talking for the next month about moving our lives out toward those people. We're going to look at Jesus' Good Samaritan passage. We're going to look at neighbor teachings in the Old Testament. And we're going to be talking about moving our lives out toward those people who are next to us and in need. So here's your first assignment. I want you to begin this process by praying for your neighbors. Eventually this month, we're going to be encouraging one another to share something specific with our neighbors. Here's what we're doing. Right now, your children are upstairs in Kidstown, and they are planting herbs in egg cartons. And the egg cartons have been cut in thirds, and when those germinate, we're going to be passing those out a couple of Sunday mornings for you to take to your neighbor. This is just one idea. You may bake cookies, but we're going to have some of these for you, for you to take to your neighbor. Ding dong. Hey, my name is Ed. I'm your neighbor. And I, you know, my church did this thing and I've got more than I need. I'd love to share this with you. Oh, okay. Thanks. That's easy. So that's what we're trying to set up, but it's going to begin with you praying for your neighbors and praying for that conversation. Some of you know that I live in Ashburn and Moved into the neighborhood 18 years ago, and the builder of our neighborhood lived two doors away from me, Jan Zacharias. And some of you know Jan. Jan is here this morning. He's the tall, nice-looking Dutch guy. And relationship with God was decidedly not a priority in Jan's life, let's just say that. And Jan and I didn't have much of a relationship. I mean, we knew one another, and we had boys that were a similar age. So Jan and I knew one another to say when it snowed and we were out shoveling our driveway, Hey, Jan, you, you know, come over and help me when you finish. Oh, you'll finish before I do. Come over and help me. That was it. We didn't actually help one another. Or see one another getting the paper or getting our mail. Hey, Jan. Hey, Ed. During this period in our family life, my wife, Diane, was looking for a way to make some extra income. Our children were young. She wanted to be home when the boys got home from school, so she started cleaning houses. And for those of you who know my wife, she's awesome. She's also a clean freak. I mean, she's, cleanliness is important to her. So she's the person you want cleaning your house. And she passed out flyers and got some customers. When we move into this neighborhood, Jan finds out that Diane cleans homes. He says, you know, Diane, would you come clean my home? So for years, every other week, Diane would go over to Jan's home and clean his home and pray. When she's cleaning his bedroom, she'd pray. When she's cleaning his kitchen, she'd pray. When she's cleaning his den, she'd pray. A number of years, Jan, for whom a relationship with God was decidedly not a priority, his life fell apart, and he experienced a crisis. And he was so desperate, I think, didn't know where else to go, so Jan knocked on my door and fell into my arms, literally. Jan and I barely know one another. 
John is crying on my shoulder, and I look over at Diane like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> and he begins to tell the story of what's going on in his life, and we would spend several nights a week together for weeks. I don't know how long this lasted, but weeks. We claimed Jan as a tax deduction that year. And then we started meeting once a week on Friday mornings. Jan, let's just grab an hour and talk, and that hour turned into half a day often. Fantastic conversations. Over time, Jan has become a brother in Christ and one of my best friends and an awesome neighbor and a powerful minister. If you don't know Jan and Marianne's story, Marianne was not, they weren't married at the time. Jan would have been a better person if they had been, but you need to get to know Jan and Marianne and hear their story. You need to hear Jan's story. So ask him. Over time, Jan has become an incredibly powerful minister here. Some of you have been the beneficiaries of that. You know what I'm talking about. I don't use that term loosely. He also helped us get this building built. I'd say God has probably used Jan powerfully here in my life. He's changed me. It started with prayer. It started with every other week, my wife praying for Jan in his home. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, you're not going to sneak in your neighbor's home and pray for them. It doesn't matter where you are. You can pray for them in your own home or in your own work cubicle or when you're out at soccer practice or swim practice. So this is what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. We're going to be making ourselves available to all of the yawns that live and work and sport around us. We're going to be available to offer our time, and we're going to be available to share our faith. And it starts with praying for them. Okay. Two concerns immediately come to our minds. Some of you grew up in the kind of environment, you grew up in one of those kind of stilted Protestant churches, or you grew up in a stilted Catholic parish, and you're thinking, wait, religion is a private deal, and I want you to know that's not true. If you go to Zambia, well, we did this in the Dominican Republic with Ina, another woman that we, we sponsor. When Ina first went to the village that she went to, the people in her village walked a mile and a half to a dirty stream, literally a very dirty stream, to get their water in a bucket and carry it back to their home. And so imagine Ina knowing that she has the technology and the volunteers to go into that village and build wells, but saying, no, I'm not going to do that because it's a private matter. It's just not true. Second concern that some of us have, look, our job is not to be obnoxious about our faith. Our job is to serve others and offer them a glimpse of what God's doing in us. Second concern that some of us have about this is I just don't know enough. That's also not true. No one does. The world is mysterious. We'll never have all the answers. All we're asked to do is share what we know. Of course, there's a need to learn more, and we do some training events here that you should go to. There's, we need to learn more about God, about his story, about what Jesus has done, about ourselves, about how to share all of that. But one of the mysteries of God's kingdom is that he doesn't wait for us to be fully healed or fully informed before he puts us to work. So here's your assignment for the next couple of weeks. Start praying for your neighbors. To help you out with this, we've created a little prayer guide, just five little short thoughts for Monday through Friday. I think there should be a hard copy in your program this morning. It's also on mygateway.life. It will give you five themes, five thoughts, and, and five little sample prayers for you to, to just know how to pray for your neighbor. Some of you know the story of our property. If you're visiting with us, you don't. Or if you've only been coming for a few weeks, you might not. But the story of this building began with another Northern Virginia developer, 
identifying this piece of property, and for those of you who are fairly new to this area, you know, 20 years ago, this was woods. And when I say this, I mean everything. There were, I think, 400 homes in South Riding, and other than that, there was nothing here, nothing. If you think there are no restaurants now, you should have been here 20 years ago. There was nothing here, no roads. The roads weren't here. This road was not here. That road was not here. This corner did not exist, but he knew it was coming. He could see it on the Loudoun County map, and he saw this piece of property. It was dramatically undervalued, and he thought to himself, I'm a Northern Virginia developer. I make a lot of money. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a mall there. Now, some of you are thinking, I wish there was a mall here, but you're wrong. So he came out here one day, and he's walking the property, and he heard God speak to him, which was a, perhaps even a rarer event for him than it was for me. And God said to him, I'm going to raise up a church for this area and put it on that property. We are that church, and the time is now. And even if this is only your fourth time here, you're that church. And it's time for us to start reaching out of our comforts and praying for our neighbors. Just start there. Pray for your neighbors, the people you work around, the people you leisure around, the people that you live next to. This business starts with each of us sharing our faith with our neighbors. Let's pray. So loving Lord, we have heard you, and I pray that you would move us. Right now, we pray for our neighbors, our work neighbors, our school neighbors, our leisure neighbors, our physical neighbors, our neighborhood. Open our hearts to theirs. Show us need and call us to move in. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Go in peace.